Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Although, asterisk, it is three peas tonight, and I love when that happens when I have multiple guests on the show. And it's happening again tonight, and we are in October. As you know, if you have a calendar in your house, you're aware of that. If you are a Halloween-slash-horror fanatic like I am and my two guests are, you're aware of that. And I do spooky-themed, Halloween-themed episodes every October. And we had another four this month. This is the last of those four, and it is a doozy. Wow, do we have an assignment for us this evening. But let's meet the guests that I have, because it's really special, and I want to kind of introduce them real quick, and then I'll kind of talk a little bit about why the episode is so special on top of just being what we're talking about. Justin, you know him from the Epic Film Guys, and he's been on the show many times. And he's back. I feel like we basically are roommates at this point because we hang out so I mean, so often. I've been on this show so many fucking times that I can't even remember half the shit we've talked about. I know we've talked about yeah, it, it, spooky movies. Yeah, I mean, after Elvis, we did. You know, we talked about uh, that again. One of my favorite things I've ever done. Yeah, yeah, in podcasting. But yeah, it's been an amazing ride being able to come on two peas and have a fucking blast with you and do top fives and yeah, man. It's, it's, it's always been a pleasure, man. I can't wait to dig into this, but uh, I can't say enough how much I appreciate you asking us on for this. Absolutely, man. And Jeremy is also on the show. Now, he's a first-timer. He's never been on Two Peas before. <laughs> Ironic that he squeaked in here, <laughs> but he's on the show, finally, <laughs> just in time. And he is joining Justin over there at Epic Film Guys. They've been doing a kind of like sub-genre podcast called Brain Stew, which I fucking love. Jeremy. Brain Stew! Brain! <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jeremy. How are you, man? Dude, I'm good, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm stoked to be here, even though this is a, a bittersweet episode. I'm, I'm glad to be a part of the history of this. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for that. Thanks for the kind words. So as these guys are kind of alluding to, this is it, guys. This is the finale, if you will. The series finale for Two Peas on a Podcast. I won't bore you too much in the open here because we'll get to our episode here in a second. But, you know, this show started five years ago, n- nearly five years ago. Me and my partner, Andy, it was a current events show. And we, we talked about the news. We talked about everything that was going on in the world. And after about a year and a half or so, we realized that's just a fucking downer. <laughs> we changed the format. And we switched to the countdown show that you have come to love as two peas. And eventually I went to guest host. And I've been doing that for the last few years, and like I mentioned, Justin's been on many, many times in the last few years, and Jeremy's coming in here for his first time this evening. But it's been a ride, guys, and uh, you know, these two dudes included, but there's so many friends I've made and that, that I feel like I will be friends with for life, and I'm not just saying that, you know, and, and you guys are two of the people that I'm including in that group. I mean, uh, just such a great community, and 
it got to a point where I was like, I didn't even check the downloads. I didn't even check the listens. I just did it because I enjoyed hanging out with these people that I have become so close to. And the listeners are great. And my patrons are great. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been a great ride. That's the best way for me to put it. And I want to thank you guys, especially for being here on the last episode of Two Peas. And we'll talk a little bit about your show at the end too, but it just means a lot to me that you guys are here tonight. So thanks so much. Always. And don't forget, Gerald, you can never say that I ever declined to come on your fucking show because every single time, it may have taken me a few tries, some of those episodes, and postponed a couple of weeks here and there, but I never declined because it was always the most fun. For me as a podcaster, being on the Epic Film Guys, coming on to Two Peas was like, the most exciting thing because I knew I could do whatever the fuck that I wanted. Yeah, dude. It was like it was podcast vacation time. I was yeah. like, I'm hanging with my boy Gerald. Yep. It's always gonna be a blast. It's always gonna be interesting. There's always gonna be surprises. So as much as it kills me to hear that this is yeah. the last thing that two peas will release, even though I don't know if that's <laughs> true or not. We'll we'll see, Gerald, uh, how long you hold out. I yeah. believe me, I've been there, but um it is again, and I'll repeat it again throughout this episode, an absolute fucking honor to be here to be a part of this. Thanks, man. It means the world to me. Justin from Epic Film Guys and from Brain Stew. Jeremy from Brain Stew. Jeremy knows literally everybody that's ever been in any horror movie ever. And he's <laughs> <laughs> he's here this evening. So, that's not an understatement. That's that's the, the truth. Like, oh man, Jeremy, why don't you tell them uh, what we're counting down tonight? What's the topic at hand tonight? Because I don't know about you guys, but holy fuck, uh, yeah. what is it? What is it, Jeremy? It, what it is was a incredibly difficult yeah. <laughs> topic. Uh, yeah. Top top five <laughs> '80s horror films. Yeah, that's it. No, no, you know, specific like subject. Just '80s horror. All right, so we're going to get into our top fives in a minute, but Jeremy, I'll start with you. So when you were coming up with the list, this list, and I don't like to give away any titles up top, so don't do that, but sure. when, you were, when you were coming up with the list, was this, I mean, I know it was tough, but where, where was your head at? I mean, what did you do to kind of narrow it down to five or ten movies? Oh, man. So initially I was like, well, should I, should I include, you know, the big ones that, of course, people are going to name, which uh, that was the difficult part because I'm like, all right, well, a lot of those movies made me who I am as a film fan and as a horror fan. So I couldn't, I couldn't skip some of those. So I, I went, I went for it top five, but that was incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly difficult. But, um, immediately, I mean, are we, are we jumping into it? No, not quite. I'm going to ask no, Justin not quite. real quick. Okay. Okay. I'm, okay, I'm going okay. to let you start us off in a second, but Justin, what, Justin, what about you, brother? Uh, I mean, th- I know you, man. I know you literally live and breathe this shit and the eighties specifically are so special to you. So I'm, I honestly, I gotta be honest with you. I'm surprised you even agreed to do the episode to be honest, but how did you come up with the five, man? How tough was it? I will preface my list with this, so your listeners are aware, and so I will not be held to some certain standard later on in the future by whatever podcast lovers might believe, Mm -hmm. but this was so fucking hard, Gerald! (laughs) How fucking dare you do this to me? I know. Uh, This is probably the hardest countdown I've ever done. It's tough, man. It's tough. Ever. So, the way I approached this was... Top five 80s horror films for me personally that also, I believe, resonated so much throughout the decade that they were very influential to so many other filmmakers, so many other films. They will transcend. They're the movies that I talk about 
through in and throughout every single season. I watched them at least once or twice a year. There was, you know, certain prep. Like I had to have something in place to be like, these are the movies for me. And I know that there are going to be people listening to this saying, how dare you put that movie there and this movie above that? And how didn't you mention this? So I'm extremely excited to see what you guys all have on your list. Me too. Me too. Again, this is, this is, I don't, it's like telling my dog, like, to pick his favorite toy. He doesn't fucking know. He's just going to grab whichever one he wants, whatever he wants to chew on. I know. I know. It's tough, man. This was, um, you know, I think it's poetic in a way and ironic as well that this is the list I'm doing for my last episode because I don't know that I've ever struggled as much with the order of these movies and it could change if we did record it tomorrow night it could be different i mean i 100 percent agree uh, with you, you know, that, that's something people need to understand I, th- I think jeremy you could say you could definitely comment on this as well my list my list changes um yeah it's not a definitive list it's it's all about preference right what you know you watch a movie and you're like you know what i think i appreciate it more now right. than i did before and it's always been a movie that i love you know you picked a hard topic because literally the 80s was the heyday mm-hmm. for horror films because movie studios started making tons of money making these movies. So yeah. every film studio was like, "Here, here's some money. Go make one. Make me a shit ton of money. So they were coming out left and right, and there was tons of yep. ripoffs and knockoffs and just new things coming out every single week. So when when... <laughs> When you proposed this, I was like, oh, man, you know, and initially I was like, well, that's fucking easy. And then I'm like, no, it's it's yeah, not yeah, because no, all it's the not. films, all the films that I love pretty much are from that. Decade. I don't think anyone could ever argue that there is a better decade for horror. No, I really I mean, if, if, if they do nine times out of ten, I'll be able to verbally assault them and ruin them in five seconds. Yeah, like, I mean, I think there's there's some, you know, single movies that you could point to that maybe were pre 80s that you know, may have had such a lasting impact. But as far as a decade on the whole, I think the 80s really is just a groundbreaking, like, foundational period for the genre. I mean, you know, we still see, I mean, I know you dudes have already seen Halloween Kills. I'm sure you see 80s tropes in that movie, and it just came out. You know, so it's going to live on forever. The decade really, you know, molded that genre, and it kind of still is what it became in the 80s in a lot of respects. So... It's one of the reasons why I love it so much. Uh, what I was going to say real quick before we dive into our top fives, what I try to do is this is so difficult. So I have a different kind of like subgenre of horror for each five on my list. So I'm going to represent kind of a different um, subgenre. So I'm not going to have multiple slashers or multiple, you know, vampire. It's going to be like just. Are one you of kidding these. me? My whole that's list is slashers. That's what I did, man. That's What's what going on here? That's what I did, brother. So, all right. With that being said, uh, I'm excited to see what we got, guys. All right, the last two-piece episode. I'm so excited for this, uh, as I am every week, but this one obviously is super special, and the topic just adds to that. This is our top five 1980s horror film, guys. And I'm going to get it started with Jeremy, first-timer to the show, so I'm going to put you on the spot, brother. What is your number five? What are you kicking us off with? Fright Night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that is my number five. It's a, it's a film that I visited so many times as a kid i love it i just watched it like two weeks ago again and immediately after watching it i went on ebay and bought a fright night shirt because i just Mm -hmm. felt like i needed another fright night shirt in the collection 1985 fright night man the year after i was born i i love it it's a great you know 
twist on the new person moves in next door comes comes out that they're a vampire and no one believes the kid, not even, you know, a TV host vampire slayer <laughs> yeah. who he thinks is the only person that can help him is the guy that's on TV, talks about vampires every night and he doesn't believe him. I, I, I loved it because when I discovered it, like I said, I was a kid. Yeah. And for me, that was always really exciting that here's a kid, you know, even though he was older than me, you know, he was a high school kid, but he was still a kid. He lived at home with his parents, you know, and there's this vampire that lives next door to him and no one believes him and he's yeah. just straight up killing people next door and Charlie is the only one that that knows and the cast is so fantastic the score is so fantastic the special effects makeup is so fantastic I love it I it's love all, it it's an all-timer man you know uh, these October eps this year is the first year that we finally dove into our top five vampire movies and this was in my top five vampire movies across all decades but i i love this movie you know chris sarandon as jerry is the ultimate just like cool fucking like i want to fuck him to fuck me so bad like <laughs> he's just the coolest with, with fucking that music dude. from with that music from the nightclub and <laughs> hell yeah dude i'm, I'm there fucking the take, sexiest music in any horror take, film ever take me justin i know you're a fan of this one man for real what do you think um well, am I am I getting into my number five or? Well, yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to comment on his five, but yeah, go for it. Because guess what, Jeremy? How Hit fucking me. dare you steal my number five right from underneath wow, me? Wow, brains do. I can't believe this. Seriously, I came up with this list like <laughs> ten fucking minutes before we sat down to record. <laughs> oh, it is it. Fright Night. Oh wow! Welcome to Fright Night. For real, there are For some very real. good reasons to be afraid of the dark. If you love being scared, it'll be the night of your life. We just screened this for my horror club at Alamo Drafthouse DC Ashburn Terror Tuesday, and it was so amazing. I love this movie. I know y'all love The Lost Boys. Mm -hmm. I love it too, but sorry. Mm, really? I, I, I think Fright Night's be better. It's way more fun. I think yeah. the... It's definitely more the fun. The admiration Tom Allen, Tom Allen has for the vampire genre and trying to really bring back those old classic vampire movies. Because at the time, when you think about when it came out, vampire movies were already passe. You know, they weren't even, I mean, we had The Howling and American Werewolf for werewolf movies, but vampire movies kind of went to the to the ditch. They were already in the coffin laid to fucking rest. The Hammer films of the 70s kind of really just made those, you know, very successful movies a thing, but then they died off. And then Fright Night brought it back and brought that fun and that 80s cheese. And like Jeremy said so perfectly, those characters are, I mean, it's an 80s movie to a T, yeah. but it's also a really scary vampire movie, and it blends the comedy and horror perfectly. Jerry is one of the most iconic vampires of all time. And like I said in our epic film, guys, Fright Night B-side like a year and a half ago that we did for the anniversary. Mm -hmm. I want to wear that gray fucking leather trench coat. <laughs> Fuck yes. Goddamn turtleneck oh, so and cool, walk man. around in a club. And be that guy. So, so you have so cool. to have faith for that to work, Mister Vincent. <laughs> but before we before we move on, I, I gotta say that something really exciting for Fright Night fans is Tom Holland, the writer and director of 1985's Fright Night, which is mine and Justin's coincidental Fright Night number five. 
He's writing a sequel novel as we speak, Ooh. Fright Night Resurrection. Wow, I didn't so, know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's whenever sweet. that comes whenever that comes out, I'm I'm picking it up. And he had mentioned that there's gonna be characters returning from the Nether Realm. So wow. I have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna see Evil Ed, and that's why yeah. he's calling it Resurrection. Is somehow they some of these characters get resurrected, and Adult Charlie is gonna have to deal with them for a second time. I dig it. I dig it. So look, the Brain Stew dudes are like locked in. They're number five. What if you guys have all the same five? <laughs> that would be great. fucking hilarious. <laughs> I will literally take him Joseph and pull his him. pants down next time I see him and spank the shit out of him for oh. doing this to me. But as you all know, like even like we do on our own show, we never talk about what I we're know, talking about before we sit down and talk about. So I had no clue. But knowing that Jeremy has... Semi good taste, wow. I'll say. Well, that's cool, man. I, and you know, I'm gonna give my five, but I just want to give a quick <laughs> shout out to the remake. I don't know what you guys. I love the fucking remake. I thought the remake Same. was great. Colin Same. Farrell. I, I actually, was good dude, I, I I just rewatched it for the first time since it came out. It was a Redbox rental for me when it came out, mm-hmm. but when I rewatched it recently, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of that comes from the fact that Anton Yelchin, oh yeah, God rest his soul, one of the best man. talents, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of his generation. Was brilliant in it, and so was Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. I think everyone good. involved. Tony Collette's in it, which I totally fucking yep. forgot. Or Queen, you know. I love you- her. Yeah, it was good. It, it, as far as horror remakes go, it's one of the better ones. Everything is great in that film, minus the CGI hack job. Like yeah. in a couple of the scenes, like I I can look past those and still enjoy the film, but some of the CGI moments for sure. I think, yeah, Jeremy, in retrospect, we, we know that was the period where they were like, fuck it, no one's going to notice or care. And now we're like, yeah, we did. We still do. But <laughs> All right, guys, uh, I'm, I'm kind of full of surprises tonight and also some no brainers. So the first one is going to be a bit of a surprise, I think. I don't know if you guys are going to see this coming, but <laughs> I really do, really do fucking love this movie so, so much. I saw it when I was way too young. You know, Alien came out in 1979, I think, and that was not eligible for this brief. But if it were, it would definitely be in my top five. And me and Justin have argued a little bit about where that falls in the horror genre before. But Which he, is why it's not on my hold list. hold on, but hold on. <laughs> it, it's a horror <laughs> film. Here's another one, though, that I'm going to see what my boy Justin has to say, but it's my number five. It's 1986's it's, uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly is my number oh, five. So, dude, this is by far... One of the best movies of the decade. Yeah. And not just of the horror genre, like in just in general, in terms of performance. Yeah. Uh, it's I, I it's a stable. I love it, man. I mean, you know, Cronenberg is is Cronenberg and you know his son's kind of carrying the torch now too, which I loved Possessor last year as well. But I mean the body horror and how he just kind of owned that space in the eighties. And you know, Jeremy mentioned at the top how there were so many things coming out in the eighties that were just kind of getting thrown against the wall and seeing what what would stick. And and Cronenberg was just this kind of master filmmaker that knew he really knew how to take this kind of gross out, you know, cinema, but it was the kind of that you couldn't look away from because he connected you so well to the story and to the characters that you were just so invested. And what, you know, Goldblum and Gina Davis were going through in the movie. And, you know, Goldblum, his transformation in the film, I mean, to this day, I feel like this might be his best performance as an actor. Uh, and, oh, 100%. And, and it was so early in his career. But this movie just affected me, man. And it was just one of those movies where you see it at 11 or 12 years old and you just go, 
I should not fucking be watching this, you know, but you, but you have to, you know what I mean? And, and it still has that effect on me now in my forties. I mean, every time I see it, I'm just like, man, this is really just some serious shit that this character is going through. And it obviously is very horrific. We know this is a remake also, you know, the Vincent Price uh, original, which is great, but of course it doesn't have that edge to it and that gross out kind of body horror element built into it. Um, this is one of my favorite movies ever, and it's definitely one of my favorite 80s horror movies. That's why it's my number five. Jeremy, what do you think of The Fly, man? I love it. Uh, I can't think of that movie without thinking about him barfing on the food. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's always the, it's always the, the yeah. white fucking milk oh, liquid coming out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. So many, so many gross out uh, things in that movie, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I, I like a lot of, a lot of Cronenberg's work. Uh, the fly is probably my favorite of his. Yeah, it, it is for me too, but I do like a lot of his stuff as well. You can see that through line in his work, you know? Also, Jeremy and I, when we met Jeff Goldblum, he embraced us and was very loving to us and held us very close and tight to his body. And that's mm. just adds to the, our love of the fly boys. What did, what did he say? He was like, <laughs> you do his voice way better than I do. Dude, but it was- I just, so we, when we went to meet him, it was me, Justin, and our boy, Brady. So we walk up. Brady! And we, Brady. We get our picture taken. We get our picture taken with him. And, you know, we're like, oh, thank you so much. And he like, he really like brought us in and embraced us and was like, oh, it was Oh, it's so nice meeting you. And so, like, as we're walking away, the photographer was like, hey, somebody blinked. You got to retake the picture. So immediately we stopped and we had to walk back to Jeff Goldblum. And I'll never forget this for my entire life. And I said, yeah, all right, well, I guess I guess we're back. And he goes, oh, thank God I missed you. <laughs> just just like that. And so we, we we take the picture and I shake his hand and I say, Mr. Goldblum. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And he goes, I love you. <laughs> and I swear to God, and th- this is not a bullshit. I swear to God, I looked Jeff Goldblum dead ass. I looked Jeff Goldblum dead ass in the eyes and went, I love you too. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you right now, when he said all this stuff to us, he looked at us in the face. Like he was not yeah, he wasn't just right. saying it passively. He was like, I was like, dude, I swear to God, like that was probably one of the best yeah. encounters. Now, I know why he was like that, because he was fucking ripped out of his goddamn uh, oh, mind, but he was I'm having sure. a blast. Yeah, he was having cool, a blast. So, uh, God damn That's it. cool, so, though. That's an all-time yeah. memory, though, for sure. It is. All right, so there is. you go. Goldblum getting a little rep on the episode tonight. And uh, number five for me is The Fly. Jeremy, you're up next, man. Great for, pick, man. Your, Great pick. For your four, buddy. What do you got, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. This was difficult. I didn't know where to, to, to rate this one in the five. But it came in at number four. It's 1985, another 1985 horror flick. Demons from Lamberto Bava, produced by Dario Argento. This is, obviously, it's in my top five, but it's, it's a film that I never get tired of watching. I mean, it literally takes place in a movie theater, which is like a chapel for us, you know, film fanatics. And it has some of the best special effects and prosthetic work in any horror film ever. That's my opinion. Uh, The stuff that they do in camera is absolutely disgusting. And I watch some of it now and it's like, I, I, I still don't know how you did this. And it's an incredible that. Pre CGI, they were able to accomplish these things because if it, if that movie was made today, so much of that would be CGI, and it's just right. the film. The film is made so masterfully. The soundtrack is is amazing as well. They got Billy Idol. They've got Motley Crue. 
Uh, they've got Rick Springfield. And the reason that I'm, I'm naming all these off, it's not like I, I had those memorized. I'm looking at my autographed poster right to the right of me right now. Um, you the, fuck. <laughs> this, the, sound, the soundtrack is is fantastic. No, Jeremy, listen. What his listeners really want to hear is you belt out a fucking Vince Neil mm. over here. That's We want to hear some shit, man. I would Because like we know it. you can get that fucking high, man. We know you can get that high. <laughs> That that's for a, another episode. We'll do that oh, on a brains okay. episode. Let, oh, let me reverse. Let me reverse a little bit. Okay, Maybe it'll have to be a <laughs> well, Patreon episode because I don't perform for free. So there you go. Nice. <laughs> but no, uh, dude. Uh, Demons. Demons is so great. Um, as far as like demonic movies and mm-hmm. you know movies with, with demons, uh, this this is this is the best for me. Yeah, I, I got I got a confession to make. I've only seen this one time. Oh, you gotta rewatch I, it. I need to re. I need to revisit this. I haven't seen this in a long well, time. Well, Gerald, there's a perfect excuse for you to do that because the new Synapse 4K Ultra HD Ooh. set is coming. It's it's being shipped right now. My my set is being shipped All right. right now. Demons one and two, the brand new restorations. Nice. Uh, I cannot wait to see them. I love the fact that Jeremy put this on his list. I'm going to be open and authentic and say. It's not on mine. Okay. But a few years ago, we did screen this at Alamo Draft House upon my request because this movie fucking rules. Nice. I, I need to revisit it. If you want to talk about a movie where, like, just like, you know, skin starts bubbling out and mm-hmm. pus starts bursting and, like, fangs start growing, like, teeth start falling out and where the teeth fall out, fangs start growing. I mean, like, it, you know, we just, you had just mentioned the fly and, and the gross out horror and the fly. Demons has plenty of that, too. Some really, nice. really gross stuff. Also, I mean, and just a quick thing here is that unknowingly, Demons has been ripped off by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's definitely been imitated throughout the years, even recently with the last matinee. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely very influential. So if you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen, go fucking buy yeah, it. Go check watch it out. It. I'm going to revisit it. Actually, this month, I'm going to revisit it for my horror Hell month. Yeah. So I like Dude, it. Hey, Hit me up after you watch it. I will. I will. I haven't seen it in far too long, so I'm going to revisit that one. Demons is your number four. Justin, you are up, brother. What do you got it for? I know you expect this, Gerald. All right. You know this is coming. Jason is back, and this is the one you've been screaming for. No, it's not your favorite. It's my favorite. I saw your face. God damn it. Your favorite's my second favorite, okay? okay? All right. I'm talking about Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which in my opinion... We did an episode on slashers, remember? Mm-hmm. It is, in my opinion, one of the top five slashers of all time. I absolutely fucking adore this movie. It is the point in the franchise, the first time we see Jason as this relentless, vicious animal of a killer, Ted White, which Jeremy has had the opportunity to meet. I have not. He's still alive. If I don't get to meet him before he dies, I will go visit his grave and take a photo in front of it. I promise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's 91 and he's still signing autographs. 91 still signing autographs. Mm-hmm. Dude, wow, he just did awesome. it. In, he just did an in costume Jason photo op like two years ago. Yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy, age. what's your favorite in the franchise? Am I putting you on the spot? Do you have do you have a definitive favorite in the Friday series? Yeah, New Blood, for sure. Oh, part okay. seven. All right. 
Well, Justin gives me a hard time because mine's Jason Lives, you know, so. I don't give you a hard time. Dude, Jason Lives, it, you know. it's my number two. It's my number two. You give me shit because it's not my number one. But that's I'm accurate. Saying, that's accurate. It's, okay. That's, that's such a fun, part six is such a fun yeah. MTV installment of right, the right. Friday the 13th series. Right. And I think it just came to me at the right time in my life, but that's always been my fave, but. Yeah, I mean, like, rewatch value, those are the two that I always go back to. And Jeremy, I do love the new blood, even though it gets shut out all the time. That's why it's tattooed on my arm. No one ever notices. Like, oh, you got Jason. Cool. It says the new blood underneath it, motherfucker, mm-hmm. because I actually love Kane Hodder's first entry into the series. Yeah, but for, sure. for me, this one just... I think this one crushes all of them in terms of the kills. You bring back Tom Savini to do the effects when he's way more seasoned. He's had much an more of an opportunity to, you know, experiment and really flesh out his craft. And we have Joseph Zito directing the movie, who has a very unique vision for it. It's a lot darker. It's super mean-spirited, but still fun. And motherfucker, Corey Feldman. Mm -hmm. That's all I gotta say. Mm -hmm. Who Ted White hated and still talks (laughs) about how he was a little shit. He wanted to spank that little brat. Yes, he did. That would have made made good cinema. Dude, yeah. may, maybe that's that's what that's what's imagine wrong at the end with, of the movie, with him. That, that's the that, that should have been the original ending of the movie where Jason just grabs little <laughs> he's, he's he's grabbing him and he's like fucking Corey Feldman I'm gonna give you a spank and just Jason he puts the machete down quietly and just spanks his ass. Guys, yeah. I guys I'm kind of torn here on my four. Ah, uh, I think I'm gonna go ahead and just say it. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I had on my four. So final chapter. Friday the 13th for Justin was his four. So my four, you know, I said I was trying to do different kind of like subgenres of horrors. This would be kind of like your campy, schlocky, kind of like silly horror. And it was kind of self-aware. At least I like to believe that it was. And it's 1988's Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I'm going to put it in my number four. Killer Clowns! From out of space! (laughs) Justin, you sat back in your chair. Give it to me. What's going on? No, I'm looking at Jeremy because he just got his life-size shorty animatronic oh. yesterday, right? He just yeah, got it. Yesterday. So he's this motherfucker is a giant of a Killer Clowns fan. Oh, okay. I love so it, dude. I, I, I love just, it. I was just, I was just oh, shit. taking a few steps back to wait to see what kind of reaction was going to come out of him. You know, <laughs> I mean, this movie for me, I'll let Jeremy comment, but, you know, real quick, I mean, this movie for me, it, it was just like... You know, when I saw it initially, it really did scare me. Like, it really is a scary film in certain scenes. Gerald, were you, like, two? No. Were you, like, in a crib or you know something? I'm old, dude. So I was, like, 13. <laughs> it, it, it got me, too. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, yeah. 13 when I saw this. It scared me at 13. I was a bit of a pussy, but that's fine. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> at least you admit it. At least you're admitting it. That, that's well, fine. You know, now, my point is, now when you look back on it, you've had so many decades to reflect on it, you can still see the merits and see, still see the value in it. But it very much is a time capsule to that era. And it really is kind of harnesses a lot of the stuff that we've already been talking about, about the 80s and kind of the campiness of it. You know, the stigma with clowns and how that's kind of become its own thing and almost its own subgenre, really. Oh, big time. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Killer Clowns is just that schlocky, campy 80s horror that is just a lot of fun. You know, it's colorful, it's schlocky. And was it the Chiodo brothers, right? I I fucking love the work that that they do really across their entire career, but definitely in this movie. 
It's just, it's great, man. It's great practical 80s horror fun, and I revisit this film at least once a year, and it's always been one of my favorites, so I had to put it in my top five, guys. Killer Clowns. Jeremy, what's your, so you have a connection to this one, yeah? Yeah, I, I I love this movie, and just like you, man, I, I, I saw it super young, and dude, they scared me too, man, these alien clowns with their facial expressions, I think that was what did it, a lot of their facial expressions, and the way that their mouths moved was, was very much otherworldly and scary, so even though they look kind of goofy and whatnot, it, right. they still had this really, really terrifying element to them. And it's it's just funny, man, because a lot of the things that scared me as a kid, as an adult, I buy these things and I fill my house up <laughs> right, with these yeah. fuck these fucking things that I would have been like, I'm never having that in my full house. Full circle, full circle. Yeah. Not only that, but you but you let your 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 daughter Dude. embrace within them. But that's amazing to me. I love that so much. Here's here's the worst part. So I watched I rewatched it last weekend and. Okay. I, I went downstairs early, you know, I'm, I'm a morning person, man, I'll wake up at six o'clock in the morning, even when I don't have to work, and I, I went downstairs, the whole family was sleeping, I popped this movie on, and my daughter comes downstairs, Anna's still sleeping upstairs, you know, my, my four-month-old is still sleeping upstairs, so my five-year-old comes down, and, and she, she's been asking me to watch it, because she sees a lot of my killer clown stuff downstairs, mm-hmm. so she was like, are you watching the clown movie, and I was like, yeah, she was like, can I watch a little bit of it, and I was now, like, now how old is she? She's five. Or we'll have a, oh, she's five. Okay, well, I have a she's question. Five. I have a question, yep. okay? Yep. And, and this came up last week. Uh, Justin, you know, you know Jeff from Cadavercast, but he was on the show. Of course, I love Jeff. Yeah, I love Jeff, Jeff's too. Jeff's going to be gone brain stew in the next oh, nice. couple of months. So he was on last yeah. week, and we did family-friendly horror, and Killer Clowns came up, and uh, somebody mentioned it. We were talking about it. I, can I show my eight-year-old this, guys? It depends on, you know, my, my daughter has, you know... She's used to spooky stuff because my entire basement is yeah. filled with horror movie memorabilia. And, I mean, she's literally, she's five, and she's begged me to watch Halloween. I have not let her watch right, Halloween. That's right. that's too much. That's too much. But Killer Clowns, I felt like it was goofy enough. And if, I, you know, I could, I could watch her and kind of gauge, like, okay, how is she feeling about this? Like, is this yeah. scaring her? Dude, didn't phase her. Did not phase yeah, her. She, thought it, was, she Logan, thought it was funny. My son Logan's. Uh, Ger- Gerald, I was, I was going to say, hold on a second. Gerald. You showed your kid Jaws already. That's my point. So that's what I don't know. So Killer Clowns is fucking fine. Okay, so Logan's hierarchy of horror is is, uh, Jaws, like Justin mentioned, Creature from Black Lagoon, and Gremlins. Those are really the only three like horror movies he's seen. Because I'll never forget that text that you sent me. Oh, yeah. Do you think it's okay to show him Jaws? And I was like... Now, what was really fucked up, guys, uh, <laughs> a little insight into my parenting skills, what was really fucked up is I almost showed him Jaws when we were at the beach on our vacation. <laughs> that would have been so evil of but you. But I, I waited until we got back home, so, yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, uh, sorry to get off on a thing there, but yeah, number four, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Guys. Great fucking pick, man. Holy yeah, shit. So far, you, you've been surprising yeah, me. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Very surprise. Surprises, surprises. Jeremy, what do you got at three, man? You're up next. Number three is a film that I consider the aliens of the horror genre, Hellraiser 2. Oh, okay. A film that I feel like is a complete horror masterpiece, and I feel like it actually was a superior film over the original. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. They took the wow. uh, ab- Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, um, it's I mean, a great sequel. I, I don't know that I can put it over the original, but it's a great sequel. 
so you guys can't see it right now, but I've got a life-size pinhead to the right of me. And instead of, I have a part one poster autographed, right? But instead of part one, I've got I've got part two up that that poster because I I love this film. I feel like they they introduced a lot of ideas and a lot of themes Clive Barker did in the original, and in the sequel we get to see a lot of these things. We get to literally go to hell and see what it's like and see you know where where Frank had been trapped and. You know, that's where Julia went. And I just, I really feel like it took the idea and, and themes of the first film and kicked it up a notch, much sure. like Aliens did to Alien. So Hellraiser 2, it's directed by Tony Randall, who he's he's got some genre work. He made a Fangoria uh, straight-to-DVD film that I really love. It's very obscure. And it's very expensive if you try to find a DVD copy of it. It's called uh, Children of the Night. It's got Karen Black in it. It's a vampire flick. It's great. But uh, Tony Randall directed this one. Uh, Peter Atkins that wrote Wishmaster, uh, he he wrote Hellraiser 2, and I just, I, I, I love the film, and I, I feel like Ashley Lawrence was fantastic in it, and I feel like they knew exactly what movie they were making, and I also feel like it was the last truly fantastic Hellraiser film that we've we've gotten. Justin, what do you think, man? Hellraiser 2. Well, it's been fucking a decade since I've revisited any watch of the it. sequels, actually, so... I know Jeremy's a huge Hellraiser fan. Yeah, I but, actually uh, haven't seen these in a while especially, either. I mean, especially with, you know, the new Hulu reboot coming up, the David Goyer produced. I'm actually... That's with the female lead, they right? they come up with. That's, well, yes, that's true. Right? Yes. Yeah, female yes, lead, right? That, 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 that's correct. I was yes. just thinking I saw I that mean, in the news recently, so... There's yeah, so there's I'm excited t- to see where they go with it. There's two Hellraiser things that are happening right now. There's the, uh... There's the movie that, um... Um, his name, of course, is escaping me right now. Um, he made uh, the Night House. Uh, I, David Bruckner. Okay, so David Bruckner is is making a Hellraiser movie. Um, that's coming out, and he's cast a female Pinhead, okay. which I'm I'm fine with. Whatever. Um, he he made some remarks about it that are concerning. That uh, he kind of alluded that it's going to be a remake, which mm. I don't know how I feel about that. But there also there's a David Gordon Green produced television series that I think it's coming to HBO or Showtime or some shit like that. So there's two different Hellraiser things that are happening yeah, right now. Give me, so give me that shit for sure. Yeah. We we went from like pretty much nothing except for uh, Miramax straight to DVD Hellraiser movies for the past like fucking 20 years to now we're right. getting two big budget things. So Which of is course great. I'm going to check it's, it it's out. It's great because I think it's very ripe for new interpretations the, the, the concept is so strong mm-hmm. i mean it, there's so much they could do with that especially with today's technology for movies so yeah for sure hellraiser but, 2 jeremy's number three justin what about you man what do you got at three the director of animal house brings you a different kind of animal it's an american werewolf in london this movie is in my top 10 movies of all time yeah, Justin, you got on me once before we did an episode and this came up. I, I do like this movie a whole, whole lot. I just, I'm in the minority when it comes to people that just like fucking love it. Like, I I don't know, like it it's a really slow movie for me with the exception of a few iconic scenes that stand out. And I, I'm not, me and you are friends, so I'm not ragging on you. Listen, Cheryl, I just don't, love it as don't much try to as take it easy on me. <laughs> don't try to take it easy on me. On your Gerald, Gerald, I'm, Gerald, I'm with you, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a good movie. It's just like, I'm like, uh, sure, you know. I mean, I, 
I, I mean, I'm I'm that guy in the corner that loves like you know the howling and Silver Bullet and like you know that kind of. I mean, shit. I love the howling too. The howling's brilliant. Yeah. Silver Bullet, the werewolf sucks, but the rest <laughs> of it's good. I mean, Corey Corey Heyman is fucking uh, you know gas powered <laughs> yes. wheelchair is the reason you're watching that movie, yes, right? Yes. We'll talk but, a little bit about America Werewolf. I'm sorry, man. No, We're, no, I, I love mean, you. I talk a little bit. I want you. I want you <laughs> to challenge me. That's what I expect. I listen. When I come on here, if I just wanted you to go, yes, good yes, job, Justin. Justin. That was a Pat wonderful back, pick, gold Justin. Fucking yes. Star. yes. No, I mean, I get it. But honestly, this is widely considered one of the best horror movies for of sure. all time, and for good reason. But at the time, you have to think back to when this movie came out and the marriage of comedy and horror. Mm-hmm. And the fact that John Landis had written this script he was like 18 years old in the late 60s while he was a pa on like you know random westerns in europe and shit and and the way that it plays in an 80 sense after it already been written is brilliant i love the characters for me it's that slow burn that i know what's coming Mm -hmm. and when i get it it's like fucking I shot up with heroin or something. Right. Like I get my horror juice in my arm. And then the whole rest of the movie after, you know, the first act is over and we know that werewolves are a real thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to see plenty of great effects by the legend, the first Academy Award winner ever to win for special effects. I mean, we, we, you just can't. There's nothing else that adds up to what this movie is to me so yeah i mean i love everything about it's it it's definitely an eye rick baker is a legend rick baker I mean, and, and, absolutely yeah. and 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 and, and the, the humor peppered throughout that is that john landis sensibility animal house is one of my favorite comedies mm-hmm. and he just implemented that here and you got to think about that output that he had in the early 80s with trading places and coming to america he was on fire yeah. until the twilight zone movie yeah. when yeah shit happened yeah. but Hey, accidents happen on movie sets. It's just, I think there was something there in this movie that's truly special that's not really in any other horror movie of that time frame. So, yes, the transformation scene is the best. Don't try to argue. No. The howling is good. It's not better. No, that's it's what I mean. Better. That's what I meant earlier is that, you know, the transformation scene is the transformation scene from a, from a werewolf cinema. I mean, creature feature cinema easily, you know, but I, the movie as a whole, I agree with everything that you're saying. It's just not my cup of tea. Like, I don't like rush to rewatch that movie. Now, if it's on, I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm not seeking it out. I guess it's not well, Gerald, my sensibilities. You know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take your cup of tea. I'm going to piss in it and I'm going to pour it down your fucking throat and watch you drink it because you're wrong. <laughs> Just say Jeremy, what do you, so do you no, want to say so anything about American three. Werewolf? Or we get, or get, yeah, I mean, it's, it's oh, I, I'm with you, man. Gerald. It's it's a movie that, <laughs> that I respect a lot of things about, and I like a lot of things about. Um, but when I'm in the mood for a werewolf movie, it's not the movie that I put on. Mm. Um, well, and, you at know, least... on, the topic of jo- on the topic of John Landis, man, um, so I listen to a lot of horror podcasts, and John Landis is a frequent on a lot of them. And for me, he's a very difficult person to listen to interviews with. I mean, the guy constantly sucks his own dick in mm. every single interview. He'll tell you in every interview that he's the greatest. Oh, I made some of the best comedies of all time, and I've made these iconic things. And, like, I mean, he's in every interview, he's constantly sounds, just sounds, sucking sounds his own dick. Like, 
Yeah, it sounds like me if I was him. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, yeah, and just in case you forgot, I directed Thriller. And, like, he's just constantly sucking his own dick. Um, right. I'm not a big fan of but John Landis as a but person. Jeremy, he uh, directed Thriller. Yeah. He told us. We know. No one. He told us. Yeah, he'll he'll remind you that that was <laughs> fucking him. Than, you know what? Thriller is better than all these lists. Fuck everything right, else. Fucking Thriller. Thriller is Thriller's <laughs> coming up. Thriller, right. that's it. Yeah. Now, look. Um. All right, so American Werewolf in London, good pick number three for Justin. My number three, Justin, you came on the peas, man. It was a few Octobers ago, all right? I don't know if you remember. I was two or three years ago. You're not expecting me to remember, No, but I remember because when I okay. named, when I was making my list, I'm like, oh, him and I have <laughs> talked about this before. But you came on three years ago, I think-ish, and we did our top five zombie movies. And my number one zombie movie of all time is Dan O'Bannon's The Return of the Living Dead from 1985. Oh, man. And that's my number three. So fucking good. Great pick. I'm just going to be straight up and say, on my honorable mention. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I want to hear what Jeremy has to say about it, too. You know, real quick, I'll just say, and I've, like I said, I've mentioned this on the show before, but, man, this was like just a, it was a punk rock zombie movie. You know, this was a movie that was just encompassed all of that like you know london punk rock scene into this horror genre that romero had created and the movie pays homage to romero they mention night of the living dead kind of like you know jokingly in the film and this is called return of the living dead and we know the lore behind you know him kind of detaching himself from the franchise and i thought dan o'bannon did such a really good job to reinvent this kind of like you know, brain dead, wandering aimlessly zombies where they're kind of like thinking for themselves and they're developing these plots and they're, you know, working through. Send more cops. Yeah, send more cops. So I just love that new, like the the courage to kind of like reinvent this kind of staple. And they did it in the middle of the 1980s when, you know, things were kind of becoming redundant. And then this comes along and you're like, wow, okay, that was fucking cool. And then you can't tell me there's something sexier than trash in the graveyard. I mean, I don't know what the fuck I mean, you guys dude, are doing in your lives. But when I, when I met Linnea <laughs> for the for the second time, like a few months ago or whatever, at Mahoning Drive-In, when I put my arm around her and she looked at me in the eyes, I questioned my marriage. <laughs> there you go. To say that. My, my ring was on my hand and there I was go. like. I I knew what she was thinking. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Hey, I, I know I know I'm a good looking guy. I'm just saying. Yeah. But I was like. Uh, well, if it ever okay. happens, get her to reenact this scene, brother, or that scene, because uh, it's one of my favorites, and it f- fucking changed me as an 11-year-old boy, I'll tell you that. For sure. <laughs> but it's interesting, it's interesting, because I've, I've screened this movie, but going to Jeremy's opinion, I don't yeah. think I've ever really heard oh, yeah, yeah. you talk you about think, this Jeremy? movie that much, Jeremy. Yeah, that is that is surprising that we've never talked about this movie. No, I love this movie. Uh, I think the comedy is fantastic. The cast, I think, is the strongest element of this, of this movie. Um, there's just some really great characters in this film and i i literally couldn't see anyone else performing those roles um but i still man i just i crack up every single time uh clue gallagher's character with with tom matthews uh, i mean just perfect comedic uh chemistry between the two of them uh it's a great movie man and you know it was it was fun you know i've i've met john russo and you know, had a lot of discussions with him about this film, and this is a film that he's immensely proud of, and mm-hmm. and for good reason. It's it's a great movie, and that's that's a great pick, man. Thanks. You know, I, I, what bothers me the most, and I don't mean to cut you off, Gerald. No, go ahead. 
O'Bannon isn't around anymore to really talk about it. Even before yeah. his death, he talked about it very briefly. Mm-hmm. He was proud of it, but he was not adamant about being out and open and like talking about it a lot. I'm like, I know you wrote the first draft of Alien. That's your claim to fame, but you directed <clears throat> legit one of the My best favorite zombie, zombie movies, movies. Yeah. ever. And I love, and I fucking will die on the hill with Night of the Living Dead. And I still put Return of the Living Dead as far as like rewatchability and just enjoyment level. I just it's so much fun. I dude. just love it, you know, and I just have such fond memories of it. I mean, Tar Man. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, amazing, just I- iconic uh, character that that appears. Just in don't story. ever. Ladies and gentlemen, go into the sequel and think you're going to get anything remotely close. Exactly. To the first film. That's true. That's true. All right. So that's my three guys. Return of the Living Dead. And we're up to our runner ups. Jeremy, you're up first, man. You had Hellraiser 2 at three. What do you got as your runner up, man? So this next film that I'm about to talk about is in my top five favorite films of all time. Ooh, okay. It is. It's a film that I I swear my love grows for it more and more every year. Uh, This year in particular, for some reason, I just, I love the shit out of it. I just purchased a very rare and expensive novelization of it, the novel Mm tie-in. It's John Carpenter's 1982 The Thing. God fucking damn it. (laughs) (laughs) i i i I love i love this movie so much i mean just i mean it's a movie with nothing but dudes right which is like a rare thing to have an entire movie with nothing but dudes the only especially in the 80s right yeah yeah i mean the only chick that's in it is just a voice it's adrian barbo's voice as the computer when rj mccready kurt russell is is playing chess and you know, she the computer beats him and he pours out his his uh, whiskey drink on the computer and says, cheating bitch. That's the only <laughs> female component to this film at all was Adrian Barbeau's voice for a split second. So much so that I just I, I just got my theatrical one sheet poster autographed by her. And like somebody was like, Ooh. what the fuck are you doing getting Adrian Barbeau? And I'm like, bro, she was the, she's a, she was the chess game. She she's was the chess the game. soul. She's the sole female in it. Yeah. Yeah, and what's what's interesting about this film is it's being discussed more and more recently, uh, thanks to 2020 being a complete shit show. Uh, there's a lot of comparisons to the pandemic and how 2020 was for us uh, to the thing, because one of the most famous lines in the film is is R.J. McCready, Kurt Russell saying, "You know, nobody knows who to trust anymore, and we're all." very very tired because anyone could be the thing and that's literally how people were mm-hmm. acting and treating people last year is like well get away from me you could be the thing like you could be infected right right um so people openly discussed that last year uh when we were in the height of the pandemic and and people started watching this movie all over again and started discussing it all over again and it's just such a such a human vulnerability story Mm -hmm. of, you know, these guys are literally stuck and nobody knows, you know, is that person a monster? Are they not a monster? You know, who can we trust? Can we trust anyone anymore? And Mm -hmm. it's a masterclass in acting. And the special, the special effects, Jesus, Rob Bottin, 
I know, I know you're in hiding. You know, his wife is off doing things with, you know, like fucking Game of Thrones and stuff like that. He retired from the industry and literally it was a mic drop and he has disappeared off the face of the planet. Wow. Where no, nobody knows where he is, man. Nobody knows where he is. Um, so wherever you are, Rob Botin, you know, thank God for you, man. Fucking you're, bravo, yeah. Th- thank God for you, but uh, he's going to say, Mr. Moorhead, I don't want to sign your the thing poster. Oh man, you're that's... not getting it. You're not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Rock. look. I, I mean, everything you said is fucking spot on. I'm gonna hold a, a wee bit of commentary because I feel like maybe I'm gonna talk about this in a moment. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's just. I think I, I'm going to too. I love it. The special effects in this movie are incredible, and it, it's a film much. You know. Obviously, we're talking about 80s films, and Halloween was 1978, but much like 1978's Halloween, it's a film that I can put on any day of the week and watch it and be thoroughly entertained and not get bored of it. I I love this movie to death. I agree with you. Uh, Jeremy's got The Thing at number two. Now, what's interesting to me about that, Jeremy, is you said that was in your top five movies of all time, yet it's your number two. On the yeah, because we're, we're, so we're, we're discussing, we're discussing 80s films. We're <laughs> discussing we'll 80s see. films. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Justin. Let's hear it, man. Runner up. What do you got? Man is the warmest place to hide. Jeremy already said <laughs> everything that there is to say. God damn you. Yeah. But that just means that I have a co-host that has good taste. Yeah. So I, I don't have to worry. You know, I don't have to. You can you can trust him. He's not the thing. And, and be like, he's he's <laughs> gonna say I? something sucky <laughs> about a sucky movie, um, even though he doesn't love American Werewolf, which he's wrong about. But that's fine. <laughs> we we can live with that. We can we can we can live with that. But um, I mean, there is no way to get through best '80s horror movies without talking about John Carpenter's masterpiece. I mean, it really is when you look at everything he's done his best film. And he considers it so, and rightly so, in terms of direction, cinematography, special effects, production design, and yes, makeup effects. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's that movie, and, and I, I wish that I got to be an adult back then. I was only a wee lad when the movie came out. But when you look at, from a critic's standpoint, I should say, when you look at, and I've done this on plenty of occasions, Gerald, I've looked at every single major critic review that came out for that movie mm-hmm. opening weekend, and no one liked it. Not a single person appreciated anything in it. Well, d- dude, you know what got released uh, right before it? Yeah, it was, well, E.T. was a month dude, before. No, no, it was like 10 days before it, dude. That's why nobody showed up in theaters to see well, this thing. Also, Everybody was watching E.T. Wow. partially Universal's fault for doing that. And also, you know, Carpenter has come out and said the lack of good marketing. They really didn't know what to do with it. They gave him all the money they wanted to make the movie, but they didn't believe in it. And that's a yeah. thing that, you know, Carpenter has had to endure his entire career and plenty of other horror filmmakers as well, where they, <clears throat> they'll give him the money and then the movie will turn out to be really good, but they don't put anything behind it. And the thing is a perfect example. We know the story. It came out. It is mean spirited. It is cold, but it really, you know, begs the question of a lot of really human things yep. that are 
they were relevant then, they're relevant now, mm-hmm. they will always be. And that paranoia, that aspect of being in a room with five guys or however many people you're there with, and can I trust all of you? Trust is such a huge thing in our world now. And, I mean, that's such a huge theme in that movie. And there is dread from the beginning of that movie oh, yeah. to the end. And it never lets up at all. And I appreciate so much Carpenter being the huge fan that he is of the original, you know. Yeah, another, I was going to say another film. another remake on our on our yeah. list here, yeah, technically. Yeah. yeah, but 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 that was the beginning. You know, we wouldn't have the fly mm-hmm. without the thing. You know, where these filmmakers exactly. are taking their favorite movies and going, "I'm going to do something completely different with this concept," yep. and that's where remakes. Really shy, and it was it was good then when you you know using the thing as an example, it was great then. I feel like in the eighties and even in the nineties because it wasn't saturated with CGI. You know when they do it now, they take a movie that came out in the seventies or eighties and they redo it, and it might be exciting, it might be cool, but it's like it's missing that nostalgic element where it's just computerized. You know what I mean? And that's why remakes today don't excite me as much. You know, this this movie flopped so hard that Carpenter already had another job lined up after making this movie. It was Firestarter. It was it was Firestarter mm-hmm. and they fucking mm-hmm. talk about Firestarter. They, they, they fucking fired him yeah. off of Firestarter. They were like <laughs> they were like, nah, bro. Nah, saw your numbers. Mm-hmm. Honestly, You're out. That, that that's a good thing though. That's a good thing because he went on to do way better things. <clears throat> Firestarter is not really it's not that impressive. I, I would have things happen the way they have. Yeah, I, yeah. I would have been curious to see his version of that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Especially that point in his career, you know. I think it's a dull story myself, but All moving right. on. All right, so the thing you guys crossed up on your runner-up there, you also crossed up on your five, Fright Night. So not only the same movies, but the same number in order. So <laughs> dr- brain I suit. Swear, brain seriously, suit. Yeah. seriously, I... You know, this is a brand new connection, man. All right, so my runner-up is a movie that has not been mentioned yet, and it's a slasher film. It's my slasher representation in my top five. What a rush, guys! Dream Warriors. Now, Nightmare on Elm Street three is my number two. My favorite film in the God, I love you. My favorite film in the Freddy franchise. Goddamn, Freddy Krueger, man. I mean. You know, I'm cheersing to you right now, Gerald. Cheer- you know, I'm going to drink this entire glass that's just pure vodka. Can you see how tall it is? Wow. It's just all vodka. Is that why, is that why you picked American right. Werewolf? <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen, you were drinking. You, you motherfucker. motherfucker. I can't believe I said that. All right. So, look, Michael Myers is my slasher. He's my icon. He's my favorite. The, 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 the Halloween franchise is my number one. But Freddy Krueger was, in the 80s when he came along, so different. Wes Craven and Robert England, this character was just funny. He was charismatic. It, and I've made this joke on my show before when, when nightmares come up. Like, I kind of want him to kill me because I kind of want him to give me a stand-up comedy act before I die. You know what I mean? Like, he's just such <laughs> such good with the one-liners and, like, you know, he kind of, like, digs into you. It's like a roast almost before you die. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but he was just a different type of slasher where you were able to, you know, he wasn't just walking around stalking with a mask like Jason and Michael. He was talking to you. He was taunting you. You know, he was roasting you and he was still scaring the shit out of you. And it was 
supernatural in a way too because it was in your dreams and in dream warriors it was so cool because you know they kind of rally together They're like let's let's go get this fucking guy you know let's let's take care of business and obviously nancy's back and it's just you know i i just love it i love this movie so so much i revisit it often it's pure heaven yeah it's definitely by far and this was a very tough decision for me because we just screened this as our comeback screening for Terror Tuesday. That was my first pick. I said, if there's anything that's going to get asses in seats, it's Dream Warriors. Yep. And I was right. Yep. Because people fucking love this movie. And for a good reason, it's a fan favorite. Jeremy, I, I mean, we're, we're sitting here talking to one of the biggest Fred Heads hey, in the world. Fred Head. Go yeah, ahead. man. So, yeah, d- dude, it is. it is one of the greatest horror sequels uh, of any of the the major horror franchises and it's definitely one of the strongest if not the strongest that's that's debatable in in the Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street sure. uh franchise it's my favorite but absolutely debatable for the, sure. I mean I, I think f- most fans can agree that the top 3 Elm Street films would be you know 1 3 and 7 at least th- those are mine you know um but three is so great. I mean, the soundtrack is rocking. You know, you bring back Heather Langenkamp and the Nancy role. You know, mm-hmm. you bring back John Saxon as as Mr. Thompson. You know, um, you've got this great eclectic <laughs> cast of people that are, you know, these kids that are in a freaking like mental institution, essentially, yeah. that, you know, Freddie starts picking them off. And kind of like when we discussed Fright Night, these kids are trying to tell people like that th- there's this this thing that's killing people and of course the adults don't listen it has yeah, that no, same never. similar theme yeah. that that fright night has uh in in that regard and it's it's that's a great pick man and, and I, you know and i don't want to interrupt you too but i you know yeah. i just thought of something as you were talking and i i mean if we were doing i know you guys recently did your top 10 uh halloween kills and if you were doing your top 10 nightmare kills which maybe you guys will do someday i i think like three or four from the whole franchise are in this movie for me in this one Dude, film like there's so the many inventive, inventive like I mean, unique yeah. kills that have not been able to be the veins the topped. vein the vein the puppet veins, scene the fucking oh, that's that, face that's in the my tv fu- that's, a, that's a top five that's a oh, that's a top five kill easy, both man. of those are top five easy kills. dude that's gonna be a really hard episode to actually yeah yeah, well, that'll that w- be a thing now. So you're challenging yeah, us. That would be a thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it whenever. Whenever you know Warner Brothers decides to reboot the franchise, which I assume should be soon. All right. So look, I'm gonna give my one before I throw it to you guys because you guys have already talked about my number one. My number one is 1982's The Thing. So I had. Oh wow. Yeah. So I okay. had Dream Warriors at two, and my one is The Thing. You guys, you know eloquently nailed it i mean everything you said is perfect i love john carpenter he's in my top five filmmakers of all time i felt i feel like this was the pinnacle of his career his resume i mean obviously halloween from 78 i would probably personally for satisfaction reasons and personal preference put that above the thing just because i it's it's michael myers (laughs) i mean so for me personally but as far as like a movie and the craft of filmmaking and everything that went into the thing i mean this is a masterpiece i mean it's a 10 out of 10 it's the best thing that i think he ever did as a filmmaker if you look at all the different aspects that were involved in it and you guys mentioned the score and the cinematography and you know the dread that was creating this movie with the winter setting and just being trapped 
and the paranoia that was sinking into all these characters. And then you start to kind of feel that as the viewer, too. If you're connected to those characters, you start to kind of feel that paranoia. Like, who is it? What's happening? Uh, you know, where's the thing? And you're just, you're just kind of freaked out by the whole scenario. So uh, Carpenter was fucking, like, master, like... He was boss level in this. If you're playing Mario and you're going through the fucking villains or whatever and you get to the boss, it's the thing. And you have to get past that to go to the next movie. So uh, that's why it's my number one. I revisit it literally every year and I love it. Actually, uh, Justin, you'll be happy to know I got to see it on the big screen at my Alamo here locally a couple years ago, which was something I had never got to do before because I was so young when it came out. But I love this movie so much. I'm so glad to hear that all three of us crossed over on it. But that's my number one. The thing Dude, John John Carpenter would also agree with you that it's his number one from his filmography. He he often states that the thing is his favorite thing that he ever did as a filmmaker. Yeah, he would agree with you. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's do it, guys. Let's see what brains do has as their number one. So let's start with Jeremy. Jeremy, what's your number one, man? So when I mentioned that the thing was in my top five of all time and you said that's really surprising uh, for films in general. Of all time, and you said, "Well, that's surprising that it's in your top five favorite films of all time, but not your number one." Right. That that's because it would be impossible for me to put. If we're talking about '80s horror, it'd be impossible for me to put anything else except for Nightmare on Elm Street as my number one. All right, the, the OG. All right. Fuck. Fuck. Wow, okay. I'm sorry. Justin's just saying fuck a lot. I don't know why. Someone (laughs) to death behind me for no fucking reason. All right, so, ladies and gentlemen, I swear to God, I mean, I'm going to, I promise you, (laughs) it's both of our number ones. Wow, okay. So, Jeremy, go ahead. Go ahead. Dude. Go ahead. (laughs) That's so funny, (laughs) man. That's so funny. So, so, you know, I don't know if you know this, Daryl, maybe you do, um, so I uh, I dabble in some some film work and um, uh, a film that we just completed. It, it's, a, it's a documentary called Fred Heads that is about the fandom of A Nightmare on Elm Street and about how it literally changed people's lives and and brought people together. Um, it certainly changed my life. It it altered the course of my life. It made me a lifelong horror fan. It's A Nightmare on Elm Street is the reason that I'm on here talking with you guys. Mm-hmm. If that movie would not have entered my life and affected me the way that it did, we wouldn't be having this conversation because I wouldn't be a horror fan and I wouldn't be here. Um, I was a, a, a wee lad when um, I saw it late at night. It was on TNT or USA up all night, one of those two, but I was super, super young. It was on really late at night and I caught the tail end of the movie and I got a basic synopsis of what the movie was at the point that I was watching it at and it scared the absolute shit out of me that mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger could get me in my sleep because everybody falls asleep it's inevitable you're you're human you're going to fall asleep mm-hmm. that was a really really scary thing for me and you know I I discussed this in the documentary Fredheads but I went to school the next day and started telling all the kids about Fred, about Fred Krueger and about how Fred Krueger, if you fell asleep, that's how he got you and, and things like that. And I, I, I'm, I know for a fact that I made up some of my own shit too, that like didn't happen in the movie, but I was like trying to scare the kids and I'm like, nah, like this is what happened. So, I mean, it just completely, it made me a horror fan. 
right? It's it's one and, of those and, films. And also, I think the creativity too, right? With Wes Craven oh, and, and and behind the film, and you know, I haven't seen Fred Heads. I can't wait till I get a chance to see it. But I mean, I'm sure you guys talk about stuff like that. But I mean, for sure, the creativity and the artistry involved in such a unique, different story. Because what happens when you go see a horror movie, right? Especially at a young age, or when you see it at home, or whatever. It's like it's hard for you to go to sleep, right? You, you got to sleep with the light on, right? So now it's like Wes Craven's like, all right, what if <laughs> not only do you not want to go to sleep, but when you do, there's going to be a fucking burnt Fuck. face motherfucker chasing you with fucking finger knives. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's fucking, I'm living in hell. So it was just such a creative, I, it's so much creativity behind it, right? I feel like. It, it, it is, and... um. It's it's something that affects people still to this day. When when new generations of of people watch it, it's something that it's it's scaring the shit out of new generations of people. And you know, I go to the horror conventions every single year, countless horror conventions. Uh, Robert England is the reason that I started going to horror conventions because he was the very first celebrity that I ever met. And that's cool, dude. His line is always three miles. Oh, I'm long. sure. Yeah, and you know it gets to a certain point to where people, somebody will say to me, "Well, like, damn, don't every doesn't everybody have his autograph? He's at every show. No, because new generations of fans get introduced yeah. to this film every single week. So there's always new Freddy fans. And I mean, you talking about how inventive and creative it is. Nobody wanted to make this movie. Yeah, Bob Shea is the only person that saw what it. Could God be. bless fucking Bob Shea. Hashtag. God bless Bob Shea. Hashtag God bless Bob Shea. Nobody wanted to make it. He brought, Wes Craven bought, brought it to everybody and everybody passed except for him. Crazy, dude. It's crazy when you look back on it and you know that fact. I was just talking about Robert Engel the other night. We, uh, we did um, critically bad horror movies. I was talking about him and zombie strippers. You got ever seen that? <laughs> yeah, I've, fuck yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> of course. That. <laughs> the of fucking course. Jenna Jameson. But yeah, no, I mean, he's a fucking icon, and obviously it all started here. So, uh, great pick. You know, I prefer Dream Warriors, but I mean, I get it. I mean, it's the OG, you know what I mean? So, what are you going to do? Justin, what do you want to say, brother? What do you got at one? I think I know, but go ahead. What can I say that hasn't already been stolen from my mouth? <laughs> I swear to God, like, I guess I couldn't have picked a better co-host for yeah. Brains too, because not that I always want to agree. But in the case of this, I, I think that Wes Craven was the guy to reinvent horror for three decades. In the 70s with Last House, in the 80s with Nightmare, and then in the 90s with Scream. He is the guy that is the only horror director that was capable and smart enough and that did it. And I think Jeremy said it so perfectly. It's so imaginative. We had never seen anything like this before. The slasher genre leading up to this was already dead. It had died off. You know, and it took so long to get the film made. When it came out, it was so different from everything else anyone had ever seen that it just people away. We had a main villain had character and swagger. Mm -hmm. And personality. Yes. And an image, an undeniable image mm. that would literally feed the entire fucking decade until its end 
there dude. was nothing more iconic than Freddy Krueger in the dude, 80s. Dude, there's not... Not Michael Myers. Yeah. Not Jason Voorhees. Not anything else. Freddy Krueger is the 80s. He's as much the 80s as Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, you name it. So I'm looking at you, Jeremy. You're about to sing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, damn it, I wanted to hear your he Vince Neil. So I, I, I thought he was in the other room rehearsing or something. God damn uh, it. So fuck. so fun fact, uh the scene in the alleyway where Tina's being pursued by Freddie and Freddie's, you know, waving his arms all crazy yeah. or whatever. That was uh actually that scene was directed by Sean Cunningham, <clears throat> Friday the thirteenth. Oh. What? Much like much like I didn't know that. Wes Craven what much like Wes Craven had his hand in the editing for Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because Sean is the one that gave Wes his job editing trailers, and that's they, how they became friends. And you know, Wow. Buddies. Love it. And yeah. That, I mean, we wouldn't have Friday the 13th without Wes Craven. And based on what Jeremy's saying, we wouldn't have A Nightmare on Elm Street without Sean Cut. There is not so, a day. I have a Freddy sweater, you know, just like the green and red sweater. There, there's never been a time when I've worn that sweater in public that somebody has not commented to me on it. A stranger. <laughs> Every single, and I don't always wear it like, you know, in October. I mean, I'll wear it like in January or whatever. And sure. people will always say something to me about the Freddy sweater. He is such a recognizable, it just transcends, literally. I mean, everybody just knows it, who it, it is. It transcends. Yeah. And, and the last thing I have to say about this movie is, I wouldn't have the friends that I do here in Northern Virginia without this movie. This is the movie that made myself and Jeremy friends. That's right. Uh, at Alamo Draft House this year, before I was even involved in the screenings or anything, I just showed up with my sweater, with the hat, with the claw, by myself, just having a good time sitting at the bar there with a beer in my hand. Like, th- this is just one of my favorite movies, and, you know, we got to talking, and then it led to, you know, think of it now, Jeremy, we're like, five six years down the line and we're doing a podcast together all yeah. because of an iron elm street yep. and that's the whole theme of fred head's documentary which everyone will see eventually but i mean it's it's a franchise that brings people together and i think this character and everything that west brought to this movie because it was his baby he wrote this shit he directed this shit and it's still the most iconic most iconic. I mean, you can name a more iconic character or franchise from the 80s. I'll wait. <laughs> try if you, try if me. you, Jeremy, have your notepad there. Now, now that I know this, and Justin just told me that story from y'all's origin of your friendship, yeah. jot, jot down. You got to do your top five or ten Nightmare on Elm Street characters, and you have to do your top five or ten Nightmare on Elm Street kills. I'm expecting that on Brainstorm. So if Done. I can figure that shit out, make that happen, Fredhead. All right, Gerald, just do me a favor real quick before you, we do that. Just call Warner Brothers and be like, listen, I know you own the rights. Go cast Kevin Bacon. Or, you know what? At this point, who gives a fuck? Any good yeah, actor. Anybody, do you yeah. know what? Do you know what? Fill my, the shoes. My biggest, my biggest dream for horror cinema right now regarding any major franchise hmm. is I want, no, fuck that. I need a James Wan helmed Nightmare on Elm Street film. There is nobody more perfect. Yeah, to make that film. By the way, don't. And this is coming from the guy that didn't like malignant. <laughs> I was but say, he still Jeremy, believes don't remind me of he your malignant take before we dude, go to I, break here. But, but <laughs> if you remember my malignant take, 
you, you'll know that I love James Wan as a filmmaker. That one just did, did not hit. That one did I not hit did. for me. But dude, he is the most perfect person to helm a Nightmare on hey. Elm Street film. His his no for his, sure. I could see that easily. Oh yeah. man, just the way that he frames things and the way that he shoots things are nightmare inducing as as they are. Like in, in the Conjuring films, they're terrifying. The atmosphere he yep. creates are terrifying and at times almost dreamlike. So I just think that he would yep. be perfect. Yeah, no doubt. Perfect no for doubt. this. All right. Um, Justin already went on his pee break. I tell you what, Jeremy, we're going to take a break. We're going to run a little promo here. When we come back, we're going to wrap up our top fives to remind everyone what we just discussed. And then we'll give a few honorable mentions before we end the last ever two peas episode. Everybody sit tight. We'll be right back. I downloaded an episode of Netflix and Swill. Does this mean I get to watch Netflix now? No, you can't watch Netflix until you understand the phrase poop. Poop? Once you understand poop, you'll understand your place as a listener of this podcast. But what does poop mean? Mm. It's actually a carefully organized code. Listen closely. People order our podcast. Oh, poop. Looks like Mr. Caleb understands poop. Here's a typical podcast listener. I wonder what they want. Well, if we remember poop, we can figure it out. I'd like to watch. Do you think they're going to watch A, an Amy Schumer comedy special, B, Gypsy, or C, a good show? One good show, please. Ah, poop, you never let us down. Now that you understand poop, I bet you think you're ready to watch Netflix. Netflix! Haha, <laughs> not so fast, Eager McBeaver. You still need to finish listening to Netflix and Swill. You can find the show at netflixandswill.com or on your favorite podcast service. And now, to talk about personal hygiene. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. As I said pre-break, I got the two dudes from Brain Stew over there. My boy, Justin, and first-timer Jeremy on the show. And we are Brain, Brain Stew! Brain Stew! And we had just been chatting about our top five 1980s horror movies, which was a tough list to come up with. And when the dust settled, these guys at Brain Stew over there are connected, like spiritually. They have three <laughs> out of five crossovers, and I only cross over with them on one film. Uh, well, I guess one franchise, too, if you count Freddy. So I tell you what, Jeremy, why don't you just wrap up your five again? Just remind everybody what your top five was. All right. So my number five was Fright Night from 1985. My number four was Demons from 1985. My number three was Hellraiser 2 from 1988. My number two was The Thing from 1982. And my numero uno was Nightmare on Elm Street from the very same year that I was born, 1984. There you go. Justin, tell them what your five was again. Yeah, my number five was... Someone copied me. Yeah, it's a thing. It's okay. You can pretend to be me. But Fright Night. My number four was Friday the 13th. Final chapter. My number three was An American Werewolf in London, which, yes, ladies and gentlemen, is the best werewolf movie ever made. Don't dare try to tell me otherwise. Mm. Number two was The Thing. Thanks again, Jeremy, for copying me again. And then number one. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Love it. Yeah. I'm going to go Teen Wolf as my 
You know no one's gonna believe. You know damn well no one's going to believe that me and Jeremy didn't like look at each other's list beforehand. Yeah, but I I know you guys. I know you didn't. I know you guys. I know you're authentic. So that's that's actually really cool when that happens. I mean, we're almost an hour and a half, so we definitely have. I think it's cool. We definitely have the commentary regardless of the crossovers. I think that's cool. All right, so. To wrap up the episode, before we give some closing remarks at the end here, I wanted to do some honorable mentions. So normally what I have my guests do is just kind of list their six through ten, and then, you know, the other two can kind of comment on that. Jeremy, you want to go first and just start with your six and just kind of list down to ten. What do you got over there, man? Yeah, so um, Lost Boys. Okay. I've, I've got Monster Squad. I've got Creep Show. I've got Madman. Hmm, okay. Okay, I, I fucking I, love Madman, dude. I love Madman so much. Funny enough, uh, I'm Facebook friends with Paul Ehlers. I've met him a few times, and I just Madman ma- Mars, Madman Mars, Madman Mars. I just mailed him an original theatrical one sheet for Madman, and he's gonna be autographing it and sending it back my way soon. I'm excited about that, and a movie that I I love very very much it's near and dear to my heart and it's a movie that the box art scared the absolute dog shit out of me night of the demons another demons mm-hmm. movie i love night of the demons hell yeah dude that's a great flick fantastic halloween all right cool that that was your 10 right that would have been your 10 yep. yep all right cool justin what do you have on your honorables over there man didn't quite quite crack the top five uh well these aren't really in order Charles, well that's fine because... whatever just list a few it's interchangeable. I know. So I have like I have like fifty movies. Right, don't list, list fifty. List five. <laughs> Pick five to list that you would okay. that you want to make sure you mention. Okay. So six would probably be The Fly. Yeah. Which you mentioned yourself. Beautiful movie. My number seven would be Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. Good one. Two. Oh, okay. Good one. Uh, considering that myself and Jeremy just discussed the 40th anniversary of Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead on the show. It brought me back to that moment where I was like, yeah, that's definitely one of the most important movies ever. Uh, and next one, mm-hmm. The Return of the Living Dead. Love it. Number nine, My Bloody Valentine. Ooh. And Gerald, you're going to love this one because you're wearing the fucking shirt right now in front of me. My number ten would be Thrill Me, Baby. Uh-huh. Night of the Creeps. Creeps. Nice. Fred Decker's amazing zombie mashup movie, which, again, needs way more love. Yeah, I fucking love that movie, dude. Way more Obviously. appreciation. Yeah, I love it. So much fun. And then after that... No, you're good. You you named oh. your five. You, <laughs> didn't you? I, don't, I can't... I can't... I no, can't don't name keep going. You're good. <laughs> All right. Nobody... What about Halloween 3? Uh, okay. Yeah, that, that's good for sure. Uh, all right, look, guys, nobody, <laughs> na- nobody named this one. This was a little bit divisive, right? It was tough for me not to put it in my five, but it ended up falling at my six. I just feel like the imagery and just the history of horror, this is kind of built into that kind of archetype. But it's The Shining from 1980. Mm, uh, Stanley damn. Kubrick, I mean, just, I don't know, man. I mean, the blood in the elevator, the twins in the hallway. I mean, just so many different, like, images that are just embedded in horror. The Shining's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And I think a lot of people forget it's an 80s movie. Wasn't it? 1980. Like, right on yeah. 
Yeah, right on the dot. Nineteen eighty. And another nineteen eighty movie for me, which is a fucking left field pick. I hope you guys like it. But this movie was fucking just so scary because of how like fucking real and creepy it was. But it's a movie called Maniac from nineteen eighty. Dude, yeah. Joe Spinell, uh, man. Yep, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yep. man. And, and good old Billy Lustig, who's still alive and owns Blue Underground. And uh, Maniac is by far one of the most real interpretations of a New York City killer in the 80s. Joe absolutely. Spinell was just fucking brilliant in the movie. I I, I love that movie. Yeah, me too, it's man. It's not easy to watch. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. It's not. When you watch it, you don't have you definitely have to take a shower after, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, you feel like you have to go take a fucking long bath. <laughs> exactly. Another one that uh, I I you know sometimes when you see movies for the first time, and I was obviously very young when I saw this because we're talking eighties, but sometimes when you see movies for the first time, that's the time, right? Like I could use the Sixth Sense as an example. Like the first time I saw the Sixth Sense, like that's that's what I'm going to remember that first viewing. Well, the first time that I saw 1983's Sleepaway Camp, I was fucking, I was fucked up. Like, the ending got me. Yes! Like, it's one of the yes. best plot twist endings, and it was just like, oh my fuck. Like, I remember, my, I felt like my mind was literally blowing up inside of my skull. Uh, it was just so cool, and it was such an inventive twist on that kind of, like, camp horror, you know what I mean? So I love Sleepaway Camp, and I just have such fond memories of it. That would be my number eight. My number nine would be a holiday horror film that Justin and I have discussed at length. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Let's do it. And then my number 10 is the best movie in the Friday the 13th franchise, Jason Lives. Be my number 10. Have Jason a little shout out. Right, Justin? That's the best one, right? I feel like I heard you say that. One of the best. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I, you that, know I love it more than anything. There, there, there's, there, there's no <laughs> argument here. It's, it's, it's. Listen, it's better than the original. Yeah. If anyone sure. wants to debate me on that, let's present your notes. Prepare yourself for an hour worth of being lambasted, and I will put grease on you. I will fuck you up the ass, and I will deep fry <laughs> you and eat your ass. I swear oh to God. man! Wow. Oh, the horror continues. <laughs> Justin over there. All right, uh, Justin and... I'm hungry. I'm sorry. I'm no, hungry. I know. I'm going to get just, you something to eat, man. So I'm, ju- I'm, I'm hungry for some Jason Voorhees ass. Justin and Jeremy from Brain Stew. Uh, you guys are awesome. I mean, Justin, you've been on here fucking a lot of times. Jeremy, you're the best. I've been on your show, and now you've been here. And it was great, man, talking 1980s horror with both you guys. I really, really appreciate you guys being here. I just want to say that real quick. Now, Brain Stew. Right, this really cool horror podcast, kind of like, a, kind of the epic film guys present brains to, and you guys have been doing a great thing for a couple of months now. You know, I've been involved, been in a couple episodes, I've been doing some editing behind the scenes, different stuff, and obviously I've been listening on a regular basis. So, what do we want to tell the folks? Like, because my life's changing. Obviously, two pieces ending. So, in the new year, twenty twenty two. I'm going to have a lot more quote-unquote free time on my hands because I'll be doing a 50-50 work-from-home type thing. So I'm hoping that you guys will have me, and I'll come on Brain Stew pretty regularly over there. What do you guys think? That's definitely about, happening. We can talk about how American Werewolf is not that great. Jeremy, what I'm looking forward to I, is just being able to have Gerald there yeah. as a whipping post. Yes, that's it. And, and, yeah. So it, no, I love you so much, man. No, it's it's great because it, 
I think that when you listen to the three of us together, and I think the listeners of this episode hear it, is that there's completely different dynamics coming three different ways. Mm -hmm. There's one right way, which is mine, and then two (laughs) wrong ways, which is the two of you. Someone's copying me. I was about to say, how could you say that, Justin? When you had three out of five. Literally, yeah. yeah, Yeah. Three out of five of, of our picks were the exact same same well, numerical hey, sequence as some, well. Some, somehow you, 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 you found out about my picks and you just decided to copy me to be cool. Well, look, I want to tell all my listeners, okay? This has been a five-year journey. It's been a fucking blast. And um, all the guest hosts I've had on, all, all of you guys that have listened and download, it, it means the world to me. I will continue to be active on social media. Uh, my Patreon is still going to be there. I'm going to pause it, so I'm not charging those guys for no reason, but it's still going to be active, and I'll be putting random shit on there. And then come January, I'll be popping up. You know, Hopefully, I'll, like I said, I'll be on Brain Stew with these guys. If you're a horror fan, make sure you look that up if you enjoyed this episode, because you could get more of that in the new year when I'm over there with these dudes, at least occasionally. And then, Fuck yeah. And then I hope to be possibly launching a Apple Plus podcast as well because i watch a lot of apple tv plus uh that's that's gonna be happening too so you guys get ready for that ted lasso anyone no it's not horror but it's good (laughs) i don't know if you guys are into soccer does anyone die in it (laughs) no no one does not if there's no (laughs) boobs or no one dies in it then i have no idea all right that's it for two p's guys we're doing it we're closing it out that's it it's been it's been awesome you guys are great i i can't end with my normal tagline because we're not going to have a show next week but look up Justin and Jeremy in the show notes for Brain Stew and for Epic Film Guys. Make sure you subscribe if you have not already and follow them over there. And then hopefully you will hear my voice over there, too, in the near future. Uh, once again, Justin, Jeremy, I love you, dudes. Thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks, man. It really means the world to me that you decided to have the last episode, not only including us, but including a topic that you knew you brought to right guys. Yeah. Even though they picked shit. Yeah. It's still the element of surprise. It such a blast, man. I, I, I I'm I'm getting emotional here because I know when I go to bed, yeah, it's gonna be hard for me to not think about the fact that this brand yep. is no longer. I mean it's tough but, it's tough for me. I mean if it's tough for you, imagine what it is for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I digress. I, I, I will say stuff. you may you may change your mind. Yeah. Things happen. Life happens. But it is, regardless, an honor. And I can speak my, for myself and Jeremy, you know, in saying it's an amazing time tonight to sit down with you. Yeah, and, it was great. And do this. So thank you so, so much for including us in such a monumental piece of your podcasting you guys were great and i I gotta tell you as we're recording this because it's not gonna come out for a couple weeks as we're recording this is october 14th so this the the fucking cherry on top of the fucking 1980s bloody sunday that we just talked about is that i get to watch halloween kills in about 45 minutes so oh yes it'll be on at midnight on the peacock and i'm gonna be on the cock watching that and then i'm going to see it in the theater next week with my daughter for a second viewing so i've got everything planned out for my my date with Mike this evening, which is going to be an awesome cherry on top for what we went through here tonight, guys. So uh, thank you so much for being here and everybody listening. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being a part of the show and being a supporter of the show. If you've listened in the past, even if it's been just two or three times, 
uh, it means the world to me because I'm just out here in my garage literally just fucking being stupid. <laughs> I'm just talking about whatever I love, and tonight it happens to be 1980s horror and these two guys, and, and it was a great ride. So thank you, everyone, so, so much, and thank you so much to Justin and Jeremy for being here this evening. And I will see everyone at some point or another in some facet in the near future. All right, guys. Everybody take care. Thank you.